Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. X28. Number 7A. For years, she's thought the divinely scientific system and rules which must have made this healing possible. I knew that cures were produced in primitive Christian healing by holy, uplifting faith, but I must know the science of this healing. 109.16 Then in 1875, she presented this science of divine mind healing for the first time in her textbook. The same healing power that Jesus had so overwhelmingly demonstrated had been had been rediscovered. In accordance with the needs of a later age, however, the saving power no longer appeared in human form as in the time of Jesus, but in the form of a science. Purpose of Healing Before we consider the actual healing process in more detail, we must first ask ourselves this question. What is the real aim of every Christian science treatment? What is the fundamental task of Christian science practice? The task of a Christian science treatment can never be to satisfy material desires or human objectives. Whatever form the problem may take, it is always basically a matter of realizing the purpose of the Christ idea and yielding to it. Then, as indicated at the beginning of this chapter, the solution of our human difficulties will automatically follow. This solution, however, need not necessarily coincide with our human wishes and intentions. The outcome in Christianity depends, after all, on the humility of our Christ attitude and sacrificing all our own conceptions, opinions, and purposes, and putting our trust in the divine plan of salvation. Such humility demands of us great courage, yet the wisdom of the divine plan is always greater, more comprehensive and far-reaching than our own human calculations. If we willingly subordinate ourselves to this plan, it always leads, on the human level, to better solutions than we could ever have outlined for ourselves. The object of Christian science practice, therefore, is not to satisfy the patient's wishes. Thus, to the question whether a mortal should be helped by scientific healing, whether it should be our aim to see him well and happy, there are two alternative replies. Yes, it is the object of Christian science treatment to help and heal mankind. If this healing is understood as visible proof of the divine purpose, if the positive human outcome is regarded as a sign following and not as an end in itself, 
The alternative answer must be no, if practice only serves to fulfill mortals' human desires. All healing in Christian science serves the spiritualization of mankind. Its purpose is to bring forth in us the true immortal man and lifts us to a higher standard of humanity. The real aim of practice is to show a higher method of life, the spiritual way of life. Jesus taught that our first desire should be the attainment of an increasingly spiritual way of life, not the fulfillment of personal wishes. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to, unto you. Matthew 6:33. How does a scientific healing come about? True medicine. The remedy which produces a Christianly scientific healing is the same as the one that Jesus used in every case, divine mind. The medicine of Christian science is mind and mind's idea. This divine mind is all in all. It is the all mind, unfettered by place, time, or space. What Mary Baker Eddy discovered is the science of divine mind healing and not a system of mental healing. Mind healing is not, as widely supposed, based on mental practices such as faith healing, thought transference, thought control, or the use of any mental agencies. The human mind with its thoughts is not a factor in Christian science healing. In contrast to divine mind healing, all human systems of mental healing are based on control of the patient's false, sickly thoughts by the right thoughts of another person. One person's thinking is thereby dominated by another's. Thus there is no victory for truth, but simply for the stronger thought holding the patient's weaker thought in check. This form of positive thinking, or the transference of good or right thoughts from one person to another, is a type of benevolent mesmerism or hypnotism, and has nothing in common with the healing taught and practiced in Christian science. In Christian science, it is not the practitioner's right thinking that heals, but solely divine mind, Thus the patient is never under the domination of the practitioner's benevolent thought and dependent on it, as in the various systems of mental healing. He is dependent only on mind, the true divine medicine. In true spiritual practice, we do not rely on a finite human mind. We hitch our wagon to a star, that is, we hitch our whole attitude to the divine mind and its infinite ideas, and these, by their very nature, will help us, not like human thought at one particular time, but always, not in one particular set of circumstances, but at any time and in any place. This difference between divine mind healing and the various mental practices and healing methods based on the power of a person's thought 
cannot be too strongly emphasized. When we accept mind as the only medicine for all life's problems, we must be quite clear in our attitude towards the numerous other human healing methods, especially the medical use of drugs. In an earlier chapter, page 91, we saw that it is, after all, the patient's faith which endows a drug with apparent healing power and thereby cures him. Furthermore, the patient's faith and confidence in a particular drug combine with the collective belief in it held by the whole medical profession, and this produces an improvement in his condition. The success of medical treatment rests on belief. We cannot call this a true healing because what takes place is merely a change in human thinking. By taking a drug, the patient exchanges a belief of sickness for a belief that he is now getting better. This may lead, since consciousness governs the body, to a temporary improvement in the body, but not in man's consciousness. In contrast, Scientific mind healing brings about an improvement in man's spiritual and moral condition, the outward expression of which is physical healing. The genuine Christian scientist is adding to his patient's mental and moral power and is increasing his patient's spirituality while restoring him physically through divine love. 375.17 the Healing Process The twelfth chapter of the textbook, Christian Science Practice. For a thorough analysis of this chapter, see John W. Dorley, Christian Science Practice. Also, Max Kapler, The Structure of the Christian Science Textbook, Our Way of Life, page 116 deals with the question of how a scientific understanding makes practical use of the ideas of God, divine mind, to solve the problems of everyday life. Here, Mary Baker Eddy explains what the basis of Christianly scientific healing is and how such healing can be achieved. 1. The Healing Consciousness the power of healing does not lie in material remedies or in thought, but it lies in man's conscious unity with the perfection of divine being. This is not simply a matter of being one with God in thought alone. Rather, it is a matter of gaining a godlike consciousness, which involves far more than just right thinking. As God is mind, spirit, soul, principle, life, truth, and love, the healing consciousness must include mind-like, spirit-like, soul-like, principle-like, life-like, truth-like, and love-like qualities. If the practice of healing depended only on changing one's thinking, then every sinner and wrongdoer would be able to heal, for it is possible to think godlike thoughts without being godlike. 
One can change one's thoughts from one moment to the next, but not one's whole inner attitude. What brings about a healing is clearly not thought, but consciousness reflecting the one divine being. The practitioner, that is, anyone who uses God's ideas with scientific understanding for solving human problems, is not someone who merely thinks differently from others about God, man, and the universe. Rather, it is someone whose consciousness and inner attitude reflect the nature of the seven synonyms for God. Thus, true practice does not depend only on the holding of good or godlike thoughts by the practitioner in a particular case, but it requires of him a constant effort to allow divine consciousness to grow within him and to increase his spiritual stature. The practitioner's goal is that Christ's consciousness, which is completely identical with the Word of God, as expressed by Jesus. Yet, we must not suppose that we cannot begin to practice Christianly scientific healing before attaining this high standard. Truth has a healing effect, even when not fully understood. 152.8 Thus, being a practitioner is not so much a profession as a vocation but a vocation which is open to everyone who has touched the science of being. Every student, sooner or later, will become his own helper and healer and grow to the tasks which are set him. All difficulties and problems serve to strengthen us in our devotion and loyalty to divine principle and in our perseverance in truth. If students do not readily heal themselves, however, they should early call an experienced Christian scientist to aid them. 4.24 2. The truth which the practitioner must know lies in an understanding of God, in an ever-growing realization of what mind, spirit, soul, principle, life, truth, love is. In a Christian science treatment, we first turn away from the problem completely and then fill our consciousness with the truths of being revealed to us by the seven synonyms for God, so that instead of a sick and suffering mortal, we behold the perfect man as God's idea. This scientific concept of God and his true creation enables us to see the perfect man, where sinning mortal man appears to mortals. 476.32 Thus, every treatment must always start with truth, which holds true for every case, because it gives us the fundamental right concept of what man really is. Each of the seven synonyms for God illumines the true concept of man from a different angle so that the perfect image of man begins to appear in consciousness. 
This truth refutes the erring mortal concept and dissolves it. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. 3. The method of treatment applicable to a specific case is always based on a general recognition of truth. In this the practitioner must firmly abide and not let uncertainty creep in through the contrary arguments raised by the individual case confronting him. What he knows fundamentally to be true in general, namely the true concept of perfect man, also holds true individually. Hence, for the particular patient whom he wishes to help in an actual case, armed with the Christ consciousness, which has established within him an understanding of what man really is, he approaches the individual patient also with that attitude which clings steadfastly and unshakably to what is always true everywhere, and therefore true in every specific case. It is not enough, however, for the practitioner just to turn away from the error, wishing to hear and see nothing of it. Look away from the body is a clear direction which must by all means be observed, but it is followed immediately afterwards by a second rule which is no less important. Look away from the body into truth and love, the principle of all happiness, harmony, and immortality. 261.2 Turning away from error is therefore only the first step. Having done this, we must next turn consciously to the perfection of being and consciously claim for the individual case what we have recognized as universally valid divine truth. Thus it is essential to abide steadfastly in the knowledge of truth and not let ourselves be affected or influenced in any way by contrary arguments. The facts of being must be recognized as immutable and inviolable, and the counter-arguments must be proved to be false. 4. The knowledge of truth which the practitioner has established in his consciousness and which he embodies in his whole mental and spiritual status must reach the patient. How is this possible? Before answering this question, we must first deal with another. What is our patient? We must never ask, who is our patient? For what has to be handled is never a person, but always mortal mind. The claim of evil, per se. Evil is neither person, place, nor thing, but is simply a belief an illusion of material sense, 71.2. So it is never a specific person that must be treated, for basically no problem is ever the problem of a human being. It is always simply a belief of mortal mind. 
The patient asking for help feels sickness or experiences discord as his own personal problem because he does not consciously refute the belief of mortal mind. The believer and belief are one and are mortal. 487.17 It is not, then, primarily a question of a particular mortal being freed from a particular disease or in harmonious situation, but rather the belief of mortal mind, the illusion of material sense, being translated into the divine mind. It has already been explained in some detail that no thought, however strong, can cope with individual, collective, or universal beliefs, since the superior power of all material beliefs can be handled only through an understanding of the science of the one divine mind. The truth recognized by the practitioner, see points 1, 2, and 3, does not come from his own brain, and is not based on his own personal views, but is God, Spirit. It is not only believed to be true, but is consciously recognized as truth, Spirit. It is therefore superior to all beliefs, however widely held and however powerful they may appear to be. This truth pervades all space, and is everywhere the same truth. It is both the truth which the practitioner knows and understands, and also the truth which operates in the patient's consciousness when it is open to it. It is not the practitioner's thought, but this one truth that performs the healing. This scientific understanding of the one divine mind acts upon a problem in a purifying way, thereby changing every false belief and reestablishing wholeness or health for the patient. Some fundamental questions. In the practice of Christian science, every case is unique. In solving a problem, the practitioner can never refer to previous cases. His work is founded not on human experience, capable of being repeated any number of times, but on the inspired discernment of truth, which never repeats itself, because it is in its very nature infinite. Every treatment is always a new revelation of God, a deeper penetration into the facts of being. For this reason, it is not the purpose of the Christian Science textbook to provide a rigid set of rules and regulations for treating each of the various problems. Rather, it must present the principle of healing, which can then be applied individually to each specific case. Thus, Christian science teaches spiritually scientific rules and methods for treating disease. Analyzing, Uncovering, and Annihilating Error In Christian science practice, it is necessary not only to correct the general claims of mortal mind, but also to handle the patient's specific problems. 
Every problem appears in a different form. Therefore, every treatment involves knowing the truth as such, but also the specific truth as the correct solution to the specific problem concerned. A problem is always the objective expression of an erroneous concept. And, it, and indeed, it always occurs when some specific truth has been misunderstood or not recognized. Thus, a specific error is solved by the specific truth which lies behind it. Here again, we must do as we would in arithmetic. When faced with the wrong proposition that twice two is five, we are not dealing with just any false calculation. It is the wrong view of that quite definite specific fact which declares that twice two equals four. Thus, to correct the mistake, we need a right understanding of the particular correct fact which has been misunderstood. It is not enough to know just any right fact, such as the fact that six times six equals 36. However many sums we may, able, we may be able to do correctly, for correcting the mistake twice two is five, we must know just the one right calculation to wipe out that particular mistake. Similarly, in Christian science, we cannot expect that just any truth will provide the right solution to a specific problem. Our whole mentality must indeed be imbued with the truth, which is valid for every situation, as explained in point one of the section on the healing process. But the solution of an individual case results from the substitution of the specific truth applicable to this one special case for the error in question. The error must therefore be analyzed by truth. How does this happen? Analysis or diagnosis plays an important part in medicine and psychology, but both of these start from the assumption that it is human thinking, human knowledge and experience that can provide a correct diagnosis. Christian science, on the other hand, follows a quite different route. Truth, through her eternal laws, unveils error. 542.7 the only correct diagnosis to provide a true analysis of a problem can be furnished solely by truth. Let us take, for example, any ailment such as gastric trouble, gallstones, or a broken leg. These ailments do not themselves constitute the specific error, for countless people suffer from the same disorders for quite different reasons. They are simply the physical manifestation of a belief of mortal mind. Or again, three patients may be suffering from the same condition, although in each case a different specific belief of mortal mind will have induced their outwardly identical condition. It is therefore useless to concentrate on the disease which has taken hold of the body 
and try to make a proper diagnosis or analysis for the individual case from a physical condition which may be widespread. The cause of disease is always mental, and this cause can be properly analyzed only by truth. In contrast to doctors and psychologists, the Christian Science Practitioner always turns to truth to arrive at a correct analysis of error. Instead of making a thorough examination of the patient's physical condition or studying the patient's human psyche and thoughts, he turns towards truth and fills his consciousness with God and God's ideas. The specific truth which will heal the case is revealed, not by a knowledge of all the material details connected with the problem, but rather by the consciousness of ideas which the practitioner has cultured within himself. When the practitioner's consciousness is deeply anchored in truth, then, out from the abundance of divine facts, emerges that specific truth which is the solution for the case. The underlying error is then uncovered. Once the mental cause of the disease has been exposed by truth, the error can be corrected by the specific divine fact and annihilated. A wrong human sense of activity, for example, is the opposite of the idea of the omni-action of divine mind, which heals the erroneous concept, and hence the symptoms it produced. But if, to take another example, the task is to free the patient from fear and anxiety, then love will handle the case, because love wipes out all fear and man, as the idea of love, is always held secure in love's infinite plan of salvation. Draw no conclusions from the medical diagnosis. As already mentioned, the physical condition is not cause but effect. Even if medical diagnosis were always correct, they would not be of much help to us since the cause is always mental. Moreover, we have to take into consideration not only the exciting, direct or immediate cause, but also the predisposing cause of the problem. A patient may perhaps have a deformity, and such a case may be due to very different causes. It may, for instance, be the direct result of the belief of a prenatal shock, suffered by the mother, but the same condition could also be the effect of a predisposing cause, such as a belief of heredity running in the family. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.